Welcome to the Leader Readers to Let's Read Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. The PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts, and one that might interest you would be a podcast about helping old people who feel alone. That sounds delightful, James B. Each week, Felicia Hardy explains how to break old people out of prison. They discuss many things such as the number of accomplices needed, the life expectancy of the people, the weight of the old people, the best time of day to get them, whether they're awake or guarded, different distractions, and so much more. Tune in to Respect Your Elders on the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. I, I'm not super opposed to that, James. I don't know about old people being in prison. This isn't terrible. <laughs> mm, controversial. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but I was expecting from March of 1979, Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 28, Ashes to Ashes, written by Bill Mantlo, art by Frank Miller, and Frank Springer. The plutonium-laden bomb droid is stopped when Daredevil defeats the masked marauder and still blind Spidey, who's clinging to the side of the whizzing rocket, defuses the bomb controls and directs the unarmed bomb droid into a bridge instead of the city. Uh, Daredevil tells the masked marauder that if Spider-Man dies, quote, I swear to you, I'll see that you'll join him. Peter returns home to see Carrion's The Dead Walk Parker message scrawled on his wall. Baffled and fearful of the omnipotent Carrion, Parker goes to meet Hector at the library only to see that Carrion has knocked out Hector. We end with Peter looking doomed in the clutches of Carrion. Yeah, it says the Deadwalk Parker. It's going to take me uh, five hours after reading the fifth book to understand that. So good luck, uh, listeners, if you know what's going on. Uh, just to clarify for the readers, Carrion Eddie knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and he says it every few pages to him, but only when they're alone. And there's always a reason why he doesn't want other people to know it. There's some stupid reasons, you know. Peter alludes to some connection between Carrion and the Green Goblin. I know Ian talked about this rather astutely uh, not too long ago. I really thought there is some connection here. He, Carrion is also just incredibly powerful. His body is intangible to things, meaning you can't like shoot or touch him. He just you can, They go through him. He flies. He can teleport. He has a touch of death. And he's got this red death powder that he throws on everybody to kill him. I didn't notice he teleports. You sure he does? Yeah, I, I think he teleports twice in here, actually. Yeah, he might as well. He does everything. Else. <laughs> yeah. He's basically, he's basically unstoppable. Well, from April of 1979, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 29, Dust to Dust, written by Mantlo, Mooney, and Springer. Peter frees himself from Carrion, who then turns towards unconscious Hector and Holly. Peter tackles him, but Carrion seems unstoppable and content to hound and torture Peter and his friends and family. Carrion departs after Peter gets a full face of red death powder. Later, a new student at ESU, Randy Vale, meets Peter and alludes to working with Carrion. As MJ cleans up Peter's apartment, we see Darter attack White Tiger and unstoppable Carrion assault Spider-Man again. Okay, so I didn't really recognize that Peter got a face of red death powder. I think that would have killed him. Also, uh, Darter, it's super obvious, is Randy Vale, just to everyone. Yes. It's just, it's, he's, you know, the sidekick for Carrion. Let's just get that out of the way. And 
White Tiger, who we introduced back in uh, issue nine, is just going to be around apparently forever. I really like this book, though, Eddie. I felt Karen was kind of justified and Peter was the bad guy the way the book was written. He just kept calling him a murderer and haunting him. And I was like, yeah, you get him, Karen. You you torture this guy. I really thought this was possibly the best Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man I've read to this point. I'm not kidding. I really liked it. I I was too busy looking at Darter being the poor man's fly. <laughs> he looks like the fly. Um. Okay, well, while you're busy looking at him, I was just thinking that uh, Peter had a fight so often in this book as Peter against a foe that knows he's Spider-Man. You don't, you don't oh, see that too true. often. So he couldn't change, and he had to just keep fighting him. And the guy was like, "Like I know you're Spider-Man, I, so I keep doing this to you. You can't change because everyone else would see." I, right? so I, really I, I always think he's way too worried about being discovered. These are like life and death scenarios, and he's like, "Oh, someone might figure out my identity." I'm like, "Yo, people are gonna die if you don't like." Do your Spider-Man thing right here, Peter. So, that's... as long as as long as Bill Mantlo's ready, I'm going to be happy. So let's see what's going on here. From May of 1979, Peter Parkins' Spectacular Spider-Man 30: Secret as the Grave by Mantlo, Mooney, and Springer. In the gym of ESU, Carrion points out this is where Peter failed to complete his one necessary credit to graduate. A battle rages between Carrion and Spider-Man and Darter and White Tiger. White Tiger is too powerful for Darter, and he ends up being able to help Spidey uh, with the overpowered Carrion. I, I, I'm going to interrupt. It's not in the show notes, but really, Carrion's like taunting him that this is where you didn't get your credit to graduate. Well, it seems silly, but it also was. I was like, how does he know this? It's crazy. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think at the end he should know this either. But go ahead. I don't think he would know this. That's the problem. Like I, we barely know this. Peter just found out like two days ago. Like how does Carrion know this? But whatever. Sorry. Go finish up your story. Looking at his transcripts closely. Uh, mm. But it's not enough, and as White Tiger lays unconscious, Spider-Man is dragged away by Carrion to a lab at ESU and with a sizable needle, he extracts some of Spidey's blood and injects it into a machine. Carrion slaps Peter awake and exclaims he is the living clone of <laughs> Professor Miles Warren. Oh, what a great twist. I really thought there was some Green Goblin connection here, but not to be. Um, they made him act so much like Green Goblin. Yeah, you're pretty hung up on Green Goblin. You kind of see him, He's, whether it's Carrion or Rocket Racer. Eddie, uh, Carrion true. was definitely letting us know over and over again that he was someone's clone. And, uh, you know, Miles I, Warren really? was pretty high on my... Yes! Oh, yeah, he was definitely a clone. He was implying I it. I mean, he's got a satchel. He's got his red powder in the satchel. He, oh, we're complaining originally, about that stuff? Originally, he was in green, like, raggedy bits. And, like, how... I just... It didn't make any sense to know, like, how he knew so much about him. So I, I totally didn't think he was a clone. This is... I guess it's kind of like saying that, like, every reptile creature is the lizard. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just kind of bucketing <laughs> any guy who's got powder... You know, or powder. flies Nobody's through the got air. Powder. <laughs> there's there's going to be lots of guys flying through the air. They're not all the Green Goblin. Mm. Just you know, Fine. Eddie, I got I got bad news for you. There's a lot of Green Goblins coming down the future here. Are other versions of the Green Goblin? <laughs> those you can actually compare okay, there to we the go. Green Goblin. If they have uh, the word Goblin in their name, let's just save it for counts, those guys. Uh. <laughs> but hey, I, these books uh, on the cover they look kind of weird and boring. But I got to tell you, these some good stuff happening. I feel bad if people were. 
giving up on this after they read the uh, Hypno Hustler uh, six months ago. They should have kept going. Uh, well, if you did keep going, you would now be uh, in June of 1979 with Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 31, Till Death Do Us Part by Mantlo, Mooney, and Springer. We begin with Carrion explaining how Professor Warren cloned himself, but accidentally overcooked this clone, thereby distilling the essence of the jackal and giving Carrion his powers. With some electroshocks to Spidey, Carrion turns the clone machine to high and out pops the giant Spider-Man amoeba. Just as the amoeba slithers over to kill Spider-Man, a disgruntled darter shows up, and as Carrion kills him, he manages to inadvertently free Peter. White Tiger enters into the mix, but in the end, Peter turns the amoeba on its creator, Carrion. Having been created in the same way Carrion was, his powers do not work against the amoeba, and the amoeba smothers Carrion while the lab burns down around them. I was totally fine. I agree these books were really well done, particularly for spectaculars. There's so much good stuff going on here. But then, like what? he He's like... The, there's an amoeba it's spider-man he extracts something he overcooks him and that's how carrion's created i was so disappointed by the carrion creation story the amoeba part isn't the best but i i thought this whole thing was pretty good i mean you gotta have professor warren's clone right and you can't have him be professor warren because he would just be the jackal and he would need to get a costume and all the other stuff how, so. how, how does he get all his powers out of this scenario it just carrion is so strong He's got Spider-Man's. He's got a little bit of Spider-Man's radioactivity stuff going on. He's injected some of the Spider-Man stuff into, him, didn't he? Into Carrion. Yeah, he's like making. Isn't he like making a clone? You don't think so? You think he's just supposed to be Professor Warren, and he was just overcooked, and he got powers being overcooked? Uh, uh, okay, okay, that makes well, all right. No, no, you might be right. You know what? We got. I got a minute. I'm, let's let's double check that. We can go with the book. Puts the sample in a clone casket. The cell began to divide. A new professor worm began to grow, but something went wrong. The process continued. The body died, but the fluid kept it alive. Then Randy Vale comes by. Ah. He opens it. And then he's like, because he's a kid there. Yeah. And he's like, you know, but how does he get it? He says, Vale, you will serve me, accept me, and I offer you power, refuse, and I'll destroy you. And then it says, he merely reported to me your movements as Spider-Man. It's like, Master, you're levitating. I tested my growing powers given to me by my extended stay in the clone yeah, casket. Yeah, there's my problem there. So you don't love that because he stayed too long in the clone Set casket. In the clone he's casket. He's got Levi the, yeah. Levitation, teleport, intangibility. He could repel organic things, control the elements. <laughs> See, this is what got me in this book. I'm like, no. Maybe if, like, I don't know. Killed the rat by touching it, and then. Uh, but you know what he couldn't do? He couldn't uh, couldn't make a chicken that if he dropped on the floor wouldn't spoil. So <laughs> he did have a limit to his powers. Oh, so that's just true, James. Me. <laughs> All right, Eddie. This is from. Oh, good. It's another. As long as I see Bill Mantlo, I'm happy. From July of 1979, Peter Parker: The Spectacular Spider-Man 32, a zoo story by Mantlo, Mooney, and Springer. Uh, what a happy title for this book. Uh, Peter is barely recovered from his battle with Carrion when Gloria comes knocking to say goodbye as his neighbor. 
yeah, it's, he's barely recovered. They they let us get a recap of that story too because there's a lot of recaps going on. Silly. But uh, yeah, Gloria comes over and he says, we saw so little of each other as neighbors and now she's moving out. She was like all up in your business all the time, Peter. She was basically married to you. It was like having to deal with like a girlfriend's problems but not getting the girlfriend. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh Later, Peter is immediately thrust into grad student duties as he's to help aid Doc Connors, ESU's most recent professor, at the House of Darkness in the Bronx Zoo. Yeah, so he gets assigned to work with this other uh, person, Marcy Kane, and uh, he's supposed to work with her. And she sees Peter chasing Doc Connors because Doc Connors is like, oh, I'm going to change in the lizard or something. So they're both running, and she says, ah, Peter Parker seems to have a knack for racing around like a chicken with his head cut off. And he seems to have affected Doc Connors much in the same way. You know, shrug as the two of them like race off. Right. You know, oh well. Into the house of darkness too. Yeah, whatever. Doc Connors behaves strangely. And eventually Spidey finds an unconscious Connors with the incredible iguana standing over him. Uh, You know how I immediately knew this book wasn't going to be good, James B.? The sp- How's that? The use of the spider light. Uh. <laughs> All over the place. Spider-Man uses the spider light. It's on the cover. And it yeah. turns out the iguana like doesn't like light. But I know this how This is usually your kind of book, though. Look, Doc Connors and a spider light. That's That just screams like an Eddie book. <laughs> it's campy. That's for sure. It There's a different vibe to this iteration of the lizard here oh. in Doc Connors. That... Well, good news for you, Eddie. It's not a, it's not a single book. It's a... It's a it's a multi-book. We got a couple to go here. So, Eddie, from August of 1979, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, 33, Night of the Iguana, by Mantlo, Mooney, and Swinger. The iguana is causing reptiles to break free at the zoo as he battles Spidey. Thankfully, Spidey turns the lights on, causing the iguana to flee and rounds up escaped reptiles. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Just... Okay. Uh, I try. Let's balance this off with something good. Uh, <laughs> on page eleven, Spider-Man says, "Hey, I almost slipped up there. I have worked with Doc Connors so much, I almost forgot he doesn't know Peter Parker is Spider-Man." Uh, good self-awareness. Good for to let the readers know why he doesn't share his information. But uh, I thought that was a nice just, line. All right, just tell him. Well, Doc Connors reveals how he relapsed as the Lizard and accidentally created the iguana. He realizes the iguana has his memories, causing his family to be in grave danger. Spidey swings off to defend the Connors family, but the iguana proves too strong. Thankfully, Connors voluntarily transforms himself and shows up in Lizzie form at the end. Let's just see what happens in the next book, James B. From September of 1979, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 34, Lizards on a Hot Tin Roof by Mantlo, Mooney, and Springer. The lizard and iguana are trading blows over who will get to destroy a woozy spidey when they fall into the sewers. Realizing the innovator Connors originally created to help Spidey could be the key to defeating Lizzie and Iggy, uh, he goes to Connors' lab where he works some science. Okay, so the innovator is the thing that Connors created to drain his ability. Yes. and Help, help Spider-Man originally, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. It's been nice. So it just goes back to this guy. 
Um, good thing he's got a good friend like Doc Connors. Hey, another doctor. Excellent. Peter runs into another professor, Dr. Sloan. This is the guy I, I think assigned him to be working with Marcy. And uh, he's like, hey, this guy's really nice. I'm going to enjoy working with him. And of course, like, you know, last after Peter leaves, the guy's like, hmm, there's like a skeleton here. I'm going to do something unscrupulous. Here you go. Another doctor. What a surprise. Uh, with a portable innovator, he finds the superpowered reptiles and transfers the lizard's power directly into the iguana. It's too much for the iguana, and he explodes while Doc Connors heads home without the specter of the lizard looming over his life. Well, it was nice to see Spidey's oldest friend, Doc Connors. That, that, that always makes me happy. Spider-Man has a friend. Sure. And then whenever they want him to be uncured, they just say, it's coming back again. And whenever they want to create a new villain, they just say, Doc Connor says, accidentally created a, and then they just flip open a book of reptiles and point to something and go, oh, look, eel man, or whatever they want to make, you know, like literally we already it's had Stegron. Eddie, just real quick, the last panel, we always talk in all these books that like the villain gets destroyed. You, you never really see it. Like it's always like off panel, like Spider-Man runs away, the building blows up. Did you notice that the... Like that the iguana was not dead, or did you not notice? Is he not he dead? Really... I thought he exploded or something. I don't know. Yeah, he, he, you know, and then they show the last panel, and then like there's a little baby iguana crawling oh, around. I see. On, you know, in the, <laughs> I on, yeah. in the it's implied that he's now shrunk back to regular Jeez. tiny iguana form, and you know he's available. Actual for iguana. To. I'm sure he will inherit some something and pop back up if we ever need him to. <laughs> but whatever couple more left let's do from october well (laughs) listeners here we go and go (laughs) from october of 1979 peter parker and the spectacular spider-man 35 arg labyrinth our (laughs) guest writer tony isabella guest artist lee elias and mike esposito i say arg guest writer arg guest artist um no mantlo no moody eddie this is going to be a one-off filler issue my friend uh i am not going to comment at all you can just do the whole thing (laughs) have fun that arg i'm not sure if it was in the title but i put it in there the mind worm is driving spidey crazy he goes spidey goes to the weird house uh the mind worm was in last time he dueled him and they battle eventually spidey convinces mind worm he feels guilty about killing his parents and he awakens in reality and finds the real mind worm and they chit chat about their feelings (laughs) That's, that's all that happens, right? I don't know. I'm too busy staring at the super freaky looking mind worm. <laughs> I know Travis Bo, us, we, we talked with him about it, but that guy is so weird looking. looking. You mean you mean mind worm, not Travis Bo, right? Not Travis. <laughs> from, from November of 1979, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man 36. Enter Swarm by Mantlo, Moody, and Esposito. Professor Sloan at ESU, uh, who is in the HR department at this university hiring these guys, <laughs> has a Nazi skeleton of a mad apiarist who controlled killer bees. He accidentally awakens a dormant queen inside the skull and Swarm is alive again. Spidey shows up to battle the buzzing villain and we end with swarm engulfing spidey with killer bees <sighs> you know james b originally i thought this was another one-off and then i looked at the next cover i haven't read it and i see swarm again because i was like why doesn't spidey just web all the bees 
Yeah, Eddie, this book is full of past and future characters to fill all the pages. All right. But if you remember from our last podcast, if you listened, I told you that once we get to a certain point, everyone's mad at Peter. So they're all, none of those people are in the book. It's like Philip Chang is here because yes. he's not mad. It's a grand and then student. it's yeah. a whole bunch of other new people because we need to have Peter hang with some new people because everybody's mad at him. Yes, correct. We have. Oh, so, so yeah, we're just saying, I, I want to acknowledge that because yeah, there's five pages of swarm. True. That is the main story, but they're doing all this setup for like a whole new cast of characters. Yeah, true. You are, you are correct. There's, there's a new, like he has at least three other grad students besides Marcy. There's this, uh, Chip Martin guy. Oh, good job. Who's, people give him a hard, this guy gives him a hard time. like throws something at him and we know Chip Martin's going to be a bad guy already. <laughs> and then well, uh, Steve, Steve throws something at Chip. Right. Ugh. Well, yeah, I was disappointed too. See, this was, the story's going to keep going. But look, we can't have it both ways. We can't complain. I, I'm, I'm at the one-offs. Right? We gotta, True. And, and maybe we don't like Swarm, but maybe there'll be something redeeming about Swarm. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right. Want to just wrap this up? I'm ready. <laughs> we, had a lot of, we had a lot of books. Nine, to be precise. New record? New record. Records are made to be broken. So, Eddie, if... Uh, People want to uh, reach us. You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember that Let's Read Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man is a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. The PacePot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts, and one that might interest you would be a podcast about doing what you want to do. Thinking for yourself, laughing in the face of authority, just go against the grain in several aspects of your life, especially with the new year coming. Ah, uh, that sounds like it could work. Tune in weekly and join Carrion as he explains why he killed Darter, oh. why he's tormenting Spider-Man, why he does all the things he ever wants to do. Listen to Carry On, My Wayward Son on the PacePot Patreon Podcast uh, Network. On second thought, there's no way that's happening. You wouldn't listen to that one? No, not at all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, but like for real, James B., who is hiring the professors at this university? (laughs) Miles Warren, the Jackal. They hired Doc Connors. Can we have some more thorough background checks? Sloan, Dr. Sloan, because he's got a Nazi skeleton just chilling in his lab. All right, Eddie. Well, uh, if I haven't told you already, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you too, James B. Did you do anything special on New Year's? I did. I was in Toronto. It was a fantastic time. Oh, me and my son watched Dr. Horrible Singalong blog for like the fourth year in a row. It's a it's a forty five minute. Oh, never mind. Just it's funny. <laughs> you really don't know what it is, right? I, I what? Say it again. Doctor Horrible's sing along blog. No idea. Don't know this. Oh, uh, a guest of ours, Chris Ewing, is the one who introduced me to it years ago. Got uh, Nathan Fillin and um, uh, Felicia Day and Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, I know him. And the three of them are in a short like 
musical uh, rendition of of an evil villain. And yeah, it's called Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog. The whole thing is, it's three 15-minute segments uh, by Joss Whedon. You know who Joss Whedon uh-huh. is? Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, uh, well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly, oh. <laughs> Angel, The Avengers. I believe he was one of. Those. I would recognize him if I saw him if he was in all those. But I... his name's Joss. So. Josh. Josh. No, he's not. A, no, he's like not the actor. He's like the creator. Like he's oh. the guy who like, it's like you know whatever writer producer I guess. Oh, I'm not sure what, you know. No, okay, it's fine. I don't pay attention to this stuff too well. Sorry, James B. Okay, if anybody else has ever seen this. Send a message. We can we can be friends.